<laughs> Would you raise your hand if you're going to miss 2020? <laughs> There's not a hand in the room that's up. <laughs> oh, my. Get out! Out! Leave! And the devil you know might be better than the one you don't. <laughs> Come back tomorrow for the keywords of how we ring in the new year and judge for yourself what you think. It, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of in two parts, so we'll be doing that tomorrow. But this is obviously the poobah hurrah for 2020. I think if I had a sound effect that I would use, it would be a great big fart. <laughs> Don't you think? Wouldn't that be appropriate? And yet, amidst the challenge that we've had, it has been a year of growth, and we have experienced things that obviously our soul has put us here at this time in order to experience. And we obviously hope that next year will be better, and yet we don't know, because it is a year where there are still some challenging aspects in the sky, and so a guaranteed Jupiter-driven, problem-free 12 months? Yeah, I don't think so, but we'll all find out together, won't we? Now, today's keywords kind of pick things up a little bit from what we've been dealing with over the last several days, and the big leading keyword, especially as the day progresses, is determination and projects, and we have happiness, and then we have the others, the illusion, delusion, change, separation, crisis, etc., all that stuff. So it is kind of a get-or-done kind of day today. The moon will be exiting Cancer and moving back into Leo's fire this afternoon. So the void, of course, today is from 8.46 this morning until 2 o'clock this afternoon, Eastern Time. Now, as we say goodbye to 2020, one of the things that 2020 did bring us was this transition into this air energy, as reflected by last week's Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. And that puts us right on time for the third of the Elements series, The Book of Air, which the theme is, Are We Paying Attention? Here is an excerpt from The Book of Air, written by Stephen Forrest. A moonless desert night, coolness in the air. A coyote yaps in the distance. Or could that have been a faint human cry? The sounds are similar, but the distinction could be critical. I listen closely, trying to focus, trying to sort it out. If I'm lucky, maybe the sound will come again. Waves of fresh information may crash and break against my eardrums. Literal waves, airborne on the sea of oxygen and nitrogen that I am breathing. I listen carefully. Nothing. There's no further yap or cry or whatever it was. I now find myself paying very close attention to the sound of a coyote not yapping, my consciousness experiencing a total, enraptured, immersed focus on nothing at all. Didn't I read something about that state of absolute attention to the eternal now, once in a book about meditation? Suddenly I am paying attention in a very different way. That unnamed sound has triggered a thought, and thought spins kaleidoscopically down its own chaos theory pathways. Air carries me from coyotes to metaphysics in a tenth of a second. 
we smell the perfume of honeysuckle on the evening zephyrs. Or, if we find ourselves downwind of a burning building, the telltale stench of oily smoke. Maybe the perceptions trigger memories, happy or sad. Senses stimulated, we tumble down the mind's gravity well, surfing those unpredictable and serendipitous waves of free association. Honeysuckle in the thick, humid air of summer when we were children walking the park with Mom and Dad. A campfire. A car in flames. Just before we touch it, we feel the warning heat of the burner on the stove. In the nick of time, we pull back. Once again, air, ever the great messenger, has saved us from a nasty burn. Gratefully, we pay attention to the scar we do not have, and perhaps quickly recall the stories behind scars of body and soul that we do have. We step into a room where a week ago someone died in a state of bitterness. No one told us about that death, but we feel a chill in the ambience of that room anyway. Would a thermometer register it? I don't know, but I've felt that chilly death vibe, and I bet you have too. That's air again, at least in some etheric sense, commanding our attention as it always does. Data? Data, data. Bottom line, air is what connects our hearts and our minds to the world around us. Astrologically, but also in plain speech, air is the linking element, telegraphing an endless stream of information to us and letting us send a few telegrams in return. Air makes a mockery of the delusion that we are separate from each other, or, for that matter, separate from anything else. Air connects. It is what allows us to pay attention, and perhaps to create some good reasons for other people to pay attention to us. Saying that the air element is about information and data is true, but those words are dry and narrow. They leave out too much of the magic. It would be very much like saying that life was about making money or that sex was about bodies. In the conventions of astrology, the air element, embodied in the signs Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius, is typically described as mental and cognitive. That perspective is accurate, although, as we will soon see, such words do not cast the net widely enough to capture all the nuances of this third astrological element. Reading between the lines of what astrologers have written about the air family, we might get the impression that it stands aloof from life, the cool, detached observer. It's as if, while you might learn something from air, you wouldn't want to sleep with it. I promise we'll go far deeper than that in the pages that follow. We will confirm those mental and cognitive dimensions of the air element, but we will also encounter realms of pure magic and mystical transcendence, not to mention some genuine woo-woo strangeness. Remember that chill in the air of the room where a man had just died? The Tradition In The Only Way to Learn Astrology by Marion D. March and Joan McEvers, we read this of the air element. 
these signs can communicate well. They tend to be intellectual and are able to handle abstract reasoning. They are logical, broad-minded, objective, idealistic, and unprejudiced. Misused, they can be cold and impractical. End quote. True dat, as they say in New Orleans. As a young astrologer, I cut my teeth on one of modern astrology's founding fathers, Great Britain's Charles E. O. Carter. In his Principles of Astrology, he writes, quote, Air is intellectual, refined, thoughtful, and devoted to the arts and sciences, especially from a more abstract and theoretical point of view. By itself, it tends to become divorced from the real and the practical, and to spend its time daydreaming. It works with ideas rather than concrete objects. End quote. Again, all that is reasonably accurate, and I applaud these astrologers for recognizing both the higher and the lower ground with this third element. None of them were evolutionary astrologers, per se, but their affirmation of the fact that humans can respond well or poorly to any symbolism is really the heart of the matter. In her book entitled Relating, Liz Green writes, All three airy signs, although different in their modes of expression, share the need to relate life experiences to a preconceived framework of ideas. This framework may come from outside, culled from the books, teachings, and conversations of others. Or it may come from within, painstakingly created by one's own laborious mental processes. But the existence of the framework is all-important, and there is a tendency to take all experiences and seek in them the underlying pattern of logic, which will make them conform to this preconceived structure. End quote. Once more, in Green's words, we see that classic airy emphasis on ideas and the stream of data that fuels them. It's that latter clause, the stream of data that fuels them, which will be the foundation of much that we explore in this book. That data is how we map what we think of as reality. But what is reality? And what about the gap between reality as it actually is out there and the version of it you carry between your ears? This is not an abstract philosophical issue. This is an everyday matter. Maybe, for example, you just know that you left your car keys exactly where you always leave them, on the kitchen counter. Ten minutes later, you find them beside your toothbrush. There is a reality in your head, and there is another reality out there. The source of most human folly is the belief that the two are the same thing. What is actually out there? There's the question. Air, symbolically, but often quite literally too, provides the bridge that links the internal realities of consciousness to the external realities of the objective world. There are deep philosophical dharma waters here, but for starters, let's just dangle our toes in the shallow end of the pool. The second sentence of this book was, 
A coyote yaps in the distance. Or was that a faint human cry? You heard something. Maybe you were out here in the desert sitting beside me. Exactly the same sound waves struck your ear as struck mine. But we heard different things. Me, a coyote announcing his position to the other members of the pack. And you, someone crying out for help. Or maybe just someone who was startled by something. What was actually out there in that cool, moonless night air? I have connected the perceptual dots one way. You have connected them in a different way. Maybe we are both wrong. Maybe it was a bird. Maybe it was somebody's radio. Who knows? Whoever knows what is really out there. None of us live in reality. We all live inside an interpretation of reality. We navigate by that map in our heads. It can be dangerous or comically incorrect, but it is all we have. Sometimes the authorities have redirected a cloverleaf exchange on the highway, but your GPS has not been updated. Trusting such a map can kill you. Sometimes you think that you have found your true love. Trusting that map can kill you too. The air element, when it is healthy, is constantly updating your inner maps, pressing endlessly toward the impossible, unreachable goal of aligning what is in your head with what is actually happening. That line, by the way, is a pretty effective working definition of sanity, having your beliefs and reality in reasonable alignment. When you finally locate your car keys beside your toothbrush, you might casually announce, I must be going crazy. Well, probably not truly crazy, but as Confucius said, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Blind faith that what we think is real is actually real is a good way of thinking about that first single step in the direction of madness. That particular madness quickly leads us into a deep, dark forest of illusion, delusion, and error. The good news is the fact that this catastrophe is avoidable. It only happens if we fail to pay attention, only if we fail to heed the corrective messages that constantly come to us, born on wings of air. Now, when we come back tomorrow, we're going to take a look at the keywords of how we ring in the new year, and we will complete the Elements series, little excerpts from the first chapter, thematic, when we talk about the rebirth and regeneration of water. You know, there's more water represented in our charts than any other sign, and Steve will explain, well, he probably won't get to that in the uh, little excerpt, but he explains it in the book and why that's true. All right, you guys have a great day. Happy New Year's Eve. Be safe, be careful, whatever you're doing. I'll be in bed by 9, you know me, and uh, don't drink, so I'll I'll do something to uh, make sure that I properly exit 2020. (laughs) I'll be smiling when I go to sleep. You guys take care. Happy New Year. Bye-bye.